Drink a coffee here. Shot of caffeine. Welcome to iHope. We're here to bring encouragement and comfort from the Bible so that you can have a more hope-filled life. We are so glad you joined us here today, and we invite you to embark on this journey of discovery of the power of God's Word and how it can shape our lives each day. So listen in and join us as we explore how the Bible can provide hope and direction in our lives. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening to our I Hope podcast. This is Pastor Dennis Schaefer from Open Door Baptist Church, and I'm so excited to be with you. It seems like it's been a few months since the last time I've been able to directly address our listeners through this podcast, but I have certainly enjoyed the opportunity of listening to our other speakers. Sometimes we've had some groups together, and uh, sometimes we've had some people just individually, and I'm looking forward to this month taking the opportunity to look at the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, both letters written by the Apostle Paul, and they address several things that were predominant and very important in the church of Corinth. And I hope it'll be a blessing to you. It's very interesting as we look at the book of 1 Corinthians, we don't really have time to go through all of the background and everything that's involved. But as the Apostle Paul headed westward in his missionary journeys, God opened some great doors for him to be able to go to the city of Corinth. And the city of Corinth is such a strategic and important part of what was the Roman Empire. Uh, sitting where it was, it's kind of a, a skinny little area on a peninsula. And it's very interesting because the, the ships that would come, they literally would be able to come out of the sea and they would roll them across land and then they would take them to the other side of the land and put them back in the sea. And of course, you can see how predominant it was when it came to shipping. And if they didn't have to take a ship all the way around the peninsula, it provided safe harbor. It provided a lot of manpower. It provided a lot of things and goods that came through the city of Corinth. Of course, when it came to the city of Corinth, it was such an interesting place because there was such a mix of people that came through there. You can imagine a shipping port and just like it would be today if you were to go to a military port and there would be a lot of sailors who live in the area, uh, people who live in the shipping industry. And uh, so that's the town a town, a very strategic town that the Apostle Paul was able to set up shop and to be able to plant a very strategic outpost for the gospel. And it was really, really interesting to be able to hear the stories and to be able to look at the letters the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And if you've ever done a study in the book of First Corinthians especially, and then he follows up with Second Corinthians. And of course, if you do a study of this and reading through the letters that the Apostle Paul writes, these aren't the only letters that he wrote to the church. But they're some of the ones that God has uh, certainly provided for us and has preserved for us to be able to read and to study today. And if we were to go back, guess what? The church at Corinth had some really big problems. And by the way, let me remind you, you may think, I've got some problems in life. And if you look through the book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and really through the whole New Testament and scriptures, one of the overriding themes is going to be this life is full of problems. And so one of the basic things we can learn is that, hey, life is problems. But guess what? With problems also remind us that there's some things that we need to work on. And the Apostle Paul was addressing some of the issues that were going on in this young church that had all kinds of issues. It's interesting to see some of the opening passages of 1 Corinthians, how the Apostle Paul addressed the church in Corinth, because they 
were a church that had a lot of things going on, such as a lot of political factions inside its church. And some of them were not very spiritual. And some people tried to even spiritualize their political associations inside the church. And uh, they had a lot of classes. They had, a, uh, as far as class warfare, I guess you could say, between the rich and the poor and different people that followed this speaker or that speaker. Some people who loved the Apostle Paul. In fact, there were some groups inside the church at Corinth, uh, frankly, that organized because they didn't like the Apostle Paul. But when it came to Paul, he wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. And when he was reminding them of some important things in life, uh, he really tried to help them to understand one important factor a little bit later on in our study. We're going to be looking at Second Corinthians, sorry, First Corinthians, uh, for, uh, chapter um, number nine and verse number ten is going to be our key focus, and it uses that word hope. Again, we've been looking at hope this year. And what I want you to think about just for the next few moments is how are you partnering with other people for the cause of the gospel. And the Apostle Paul was going to try to address that here with the church in Corinth to help them to understand that they could take some steps. They could be a part of what God is doing. Again, earlier in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul was writing to the church because of the factions that they had. They were actually causing harm to the body of Christ, and they were actually taking attention away from the gospel of Christ. And because of that, the gospel wasn't going out into the community, wasn't going out really through the world, because of the focus, the bad focuses uh, that the church at Corinth had. So you can imagine, here it is, here's this church in the city of Corinth. They have an opportunity to literally evangelize the world because guess what? If they were to win a, a sailor to Jesus, where were they going to take the gospel? With them on the boat, and then they were going to travel to some other distant land, and guess what they would do? They would be able to plant the seed of the gospel in that distant place. So re really, Corinth was very, very key, very, very strategic, but the church in Corinth, the people really had a focus that was inwardly focused and very self-centered, and in many ways, it splintered the church in um, its infancy, and the Apostle Paul tried to address that, but guess what? He tried to unify them around what we need to be unified around, and that is Christ and his gospel. And so when it came to this latter part of this letter in 1 Corinthians 9, what he says there are these words. I'm going to give you a little context in just a second. He says, or saith it, or saith he it altogether for our sakes. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written that he that ploweth should plow how? In hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. So what is he talking about? He's talking about a farmer or the farming process. And when it comes to people who work the field, guess what? Everybody who works in the field, they are hoping that they're going to have a great harvest. You can imagine you're planting the seeds or you're pulling the weeds or you're later on, you're threshing everything that's uh, what has grown. And what are you doing? You're trying to prepare and you're planning for a great harvest that is going to come. And guess what? That is what the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage the church at Corinth and us to understand that we can partake and we can be partners in the gospel ministry together. And so in this passage, let me kind of back up. I'm going to go back to verse number one. And the Apostle Paul, just as I read, uh, you're going to see that he's trying to defend his apostleship. He's trying to defend the work that he is doing because there are some people 
that were still factions in the church, and they were kind of arguing about this, that, and the other, uh, which is pretty common. It's not unusual in some churches to have people who uh, complain or may want to discredit the leadership that may be there. And so the Apostle Paul was there just to defend himself and then to invite them, not just to defend himself, but to say, hey, let's work together for a bigger cause. Let's not fight but let's focus on Jesus Christ. And he backs up, he says in verse number one, am not I an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye my work in the Lord? He's really talking about the relationship that he has with them. And he reminds them, hey, I have seen Christ. He appeared to me, he spoke to me, I was saved, and God has given me this ministry. And guess what? Church at Corinth, I have invested my life to be able to help you, to be able to show Christ to you, and now you're changed. He says, if I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Basically, he's again talking about that relationship. He says, my answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles? And as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas, or I only and Barnabas have not we power to forbear working? So kind of looking at the idea here, he's like, okay, are we not free also, just like you guys are, like everybody else in the church, are we not able to be married? Uh, Or if we want to be single, or if we need to do ministry, are we able to choose to do different things the way that it is that God lays it on our heart? And he's trying to underscore, hey, we can do this. And Uh, some of the rules and some of the things that perhaps people are trying to place on them was trying to pressure them and to keep the Apostle Paul and others perhaps from trying to accomplish the ministry the best way that it could be done. Uh, In fact, in verse number six, as it talked about Barnabas and specifically talked about himself as the Apostle Paul in that, hey, if I want to work, I can work. Or if I don't want to work, then I can choose not to work. He says, who go with a warfare at any time at his own charges. Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Who kneadeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? So we look at the question that he poses right here, and this is where he's trying to lead the church of Corinth into understanding, hey, you guys can have a big part in what God is doing for the ministry. We need to partner here. We need to work together. Again, Uh, Some people may want to accuse, some people may want to say that, hey, I should do this or I should do something else, but God has something specific that he wants to do. And instead of arguing about all the little details, let's focus on how we can partner together to accomplish something for the cause of Christ. Then he uses this illustration. He talks about a soldier, right? Do soldiers go out and war and fight at their own cost? No, usually it comes at the price of taxes, that the money goes to the government, and it funds the soldier's living. Uh, when it comes to somebody who plants a vineyard, he uses illustration of somebody that, uh, who has a flock when it comes to farming in this way. If you have a vineyard or if you have a flock, guess what? You're going to be able to eat of the things that you're growing, the things that uh, you are raising in, on your farm. And so the Apostle Paul says, Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law, the same also. So now he's not just saying, okay, there's some practical examples, but there's also some biblical examples. Let's go back to what the Bible says, which by the way, that's the best example and one of the greatest things we can do. So if we're going to think about our partnership in ministry, where should we go? Let's go back to the scriptures. And so the apostle Paul points everybody back to 
what uh, what Moses said. He says in verse 9, For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? So we think about that. When it comes to the illustration of muzzling oxes, if you're going to use an animal to plow the ground, guess what? You need to make sure that you feed the animal, right? It just seems to make sense. And so it's an illustration, but it's also part of the law of God. Make sure that you feed your animals. Make sure that you take care of them. And so if we're going to take care of animals, guess what? We should also take care of the people who are serving God too. And that's the case the Apostle Paul is making. He says, or say, and this is our text in verse number 10, or saith he it altogether for our sakes, for our sakes no doubt that it is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. So here's the idea. Guess what? As a minister, the people who serve God, the people who are focusing on God, by the way, whether they are paid or not paid, our hope is that God is going to bring about a harvest. What is that harvest? It's the reaching and winning of souls in the community. He says in verse number 11, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Now he starts getting a little bit more particular. Hey guys, it's Charlie, and you already know that we don't run any ads, and the only way that we grow this podcast is through word of mouth. So if you wouldn't mind, just ask yourself if someone you know would learn from or enjoy our podcast. And now that you have that someone in your mind, take 30 seconds to hit the three dots at the top of your screen to hit share episode. Text it to them and get back to listening. Our focus is certainly on the gospel. And we pray that God is going to bring a harvest of souls where people are going to be reached. But you can see where he starts to focus a little bit. He's been talking about feeding the animals. He's been talking about working in the fields. He's talking about paying soldiers. What is the context? Part of what the Apostle Paul is saying is that as the servants of God, as the children of God, is that we need to partake together. We need to be partners in making sure that the ministry of God is funded, which includes the servants of God as well, for those who are serving and for those who are working. Whether they be in full-time or in part-time ministry is an important thing that we be faithful in our giving. Now, automatically, some people start to think, oh, they're listening to the podcast, and they say, oh, pastor's talking about giving. I thought we were talking about partnering in the gospel. Partnering in the gospel seems a whole lot better, doesn't it? Well, understand that this all works together. In fact, we all need to be faithful in our giving to God, not just in our service. That's a great thing. We all need to be serving God. The Apostle Paul was serving God. We need to be faithful to make sure that there are people who are serving in all parts of ministry, When it comes to the nursery, our children's ministry, our choir, our adult ministries, all these things need servants to be able to work in them. But God also uses specific people to be pastors or evangelists or missionaries. And when it comes to their work, guess what? One of the responsibilities that a church has, the family of God has, if we're going to partner in gospel ministry with them, is to make sure that we are contributing to the work of God itself. He says, if others, in verse number 12, if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer or allow all things, lest we should hinder the gospel 
of Christ. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait on the altar are partakers with the altars? He's using the illustration of the temple, which at that point in time had not yet been destroyed. It was still there standing in Jerusalem. And guess what? The people who were there, the priests, they lived and they served. And how were they paid? It was through the offerings and the gifts that the people had given to the temple itself. He says in verse 14, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And so what the Apostle Paul is saying is, guess what? We're supposed to make sure that we are faithful in our giving to make sure that we're able to enable the servants of God who are paid to do that work to be able to do that work effectively without the care and the concern and the worry, I guess you could say, of the finances that they might have. Of course, the understanding there is that God is going to take care of them. The Apostle Paul talked about that in the next verse, but I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things that I should that it should be done unto me, for it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For I for if I do these things willing, willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without char charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. You can see sometimes that uh, people... Uh, may oftentimes get critical of pastors or people who preach about giving and money and those types of things. But you can see what the Apostle Paul is uh, saying right here, that it's, it's not always an easy subject to be able to address, but guess what? It is a necessary subject to be able to address because guess what? Uh, as I've heard recently or a couple years ago, this truth that you know dead churches don't cost anything, but guess what? We understand that the gospel message, if we're going to communicate it, if we're going to share it, it is so imperative and important that people be faithful in giving because that is how we partner in funding the ministry of God. So whether a church is being planted, it's important to make sure that that church planter is being funded. When it comes to a missionary that goes to a foreign land, they need the support of churches that are helping them to be able to plant churches and to minister to people in that foreign land. We are the supply line. And we all need to be faithful in that endeavor. So let me encourage you to think about your giving. Let me encourage you to think about how it is that you are partnering in this way. Yes, and praise the Lord, God reminds us we ought to pray. That's one of the number one ways that we ought to support each other, all of us in ministry. But there is something significant and important about making sure that we are also faithful in our giving. So here's a question. How is your giving partnering and intentionally funding ministry that is focused on the gospel so that other people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So important. Uh, recently, I, I've heard some different stories about, uh, read some different things about how it were that certain churches uh, try to stifle their pastor. Maybe, uh, interesting, I read one story about a, a pastor who was very, very well-to-do. He came into the pastorate because he had, uh, God called him, but he came from a very lucrative job position. He had a company, he sold the company, and then he came to the church, and he basically asked the church not to pay him. And after that, they called another pastor to serve underneath of him or to serve in that church, and they were used to not paying the previous pastor. 
uh, because the pastor, previous pastor didn't need any money really. And so because of that, the second pastor came in and uh, they said, well, the previous pastor didn't need a whole lot of money. He didn't really need anything. So they chose not to pay the next pastor very much money at all. And you can see how that would have affected his ministry perhaps. When it comes to our lives, it is not, should not be the intent that we have to cause harm to gospel ministry, but it should be to intentionally be a part of propagating and sharing the gospel. And the the word of God is so important about sharing and reflecting that truth. In fact, later on, we have 1 Corinthians that we just read here in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number 10. But if we were to go to, to some other passages, it would reflect the heart of the Apostle Paul. It'll certainly encourage us and remind us about what God was going to do through the church a little bit later on to this specific church, the church at Corinth, uh, a little bit later on. Let me just kind of draw your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. So we were in 1 Corinthians. We kind of skip a book because we don't have it recorded. It It was recorded, but it wasn't preserved for us. But then there's 2 Corinthians, what's called 2 Corinthians, and chapter number 8. And when we look at 2 Corinthians 8, in verse number five, you say, well, what does that verse say? And it says, and this they did. Well, who is it talking about? It's talking about some other people. Let me kind of back up to verse number one to give you a little bit of context. This is, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Now, what gift is it? It was a financial gift to be able to empower and to help other churches in their continuing ministry to do this and take upon, uh, receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did. So how did these churches of Macedonia give? Not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and us and unto us by the will of God. The Apostle Paul is so focused on making sure that people give according to the will of God. So here's a question. When it comes to your giving, how are you partnering, partnering and are you giving according to the will of of God. So many times we talk about tithing, we talk about grace giving, there's all kinds of different terms that we talk about when it comes to our giving. Our heart needs to be making sure that we are following the will of God. How is it that God would have for you to give? And when it comes to the guidelines of scripture, we need to understand what he says. But here's the truth, the practical truth, the question you need to be asking is this, how am I giving to make sure that the gospel of Christ is going around the world? How am I giving to make sure that we are able to take care of the ministry that God has given to us, the resources that God has given to us? Uh, When it comes to our church, we have different buildings. We have different servants who are paid by the giving of our church family. There are ministries that we have. How are you giving to help be a part and partner of what God is doing in the specific church that you're a part of. Uh, we also can follow that up a little bit to think about the expression we just read there in 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And then the Apostle Paul says this a little bit later in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 15. Uh, when it comes to our our, our service, uh, when it comes to how it is that we give and things. Here's the Apostle Paul. He says, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. To do what? 
to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. Then he says, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord for, uh, for he, not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. So in our giving, again, what should be the foundation of it? It should be this. We're focused on making sure the gospel is going out, and we're making sure that we are giving in such a way that God is honored by the way that we give. So think about this. The next time you give, I want to encourage you, whether that's online, via an app, via the offering plate, check, cash, whatever it is, we know that there's dollars and cents that are somehow connected to it. God has blessed you with some type of an income. God has given you financial means, and by that you're able to survive. Well, guess what? In this way, we also give to be able to provide so that other people can also live through the means of the gospel, whether that's physical means, that is also spiritual, so that the gospel goes out and it wins souls. So I just want to ask you, are you partnering in hope, providing hope to people who are around the world, providing and encourage the servants of God who are serving and they serve in the harvest field, they serve as soldiers, they serve raising and rearing sheep, if you will, and they do so with hope. They have a hope. In fact, if you're part of a church, I'm sure that you're pastor. I know I'm a pastor here at Open Door Baptist Church, and my hope, my prayer is that God is going to help our church family to be able to grow in their hope, in their walk in Jesus Christ, and that God is going to bless them abundantly. That's my hope. So when it comes to having that hope, I hope that you'll partner in their hope. I hope that you'll work together and strive in this partnership that we can have together in blessing and helping the gospel to go around the world. So let me encourage you in that way. Ask that question. Is my giving partnering with the gospel? I appreciate you taking the time to be able to listen to this podcast. I look forward to our next one as we take a look a little bit farther in one of people's favorite chapters of the scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, which is a passage on love, the great love chapter. I look forward to spending that time with you next time, and I hope that you have a blessed week in the Lord. God bless you. And we look forward to talking to you again very, very soon. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you've been encouraged by I Hope, why not share it with a friend or leave us a review? Until next week, God bless.